should give you warning. It's um, Luke 17, starting at verse 11. I haven't got the page because I'm reading off phone. So Luke 17, starting at verse 11. Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Well, on a day that we have set aside specifically to give thanks to God, this perhaps seems like a really obvious passage to turn our attention to. And really, perhaps there's not really a lot to say uh, beyond the passage. And in fact, uh, Peter did quip uh, before I got up here that uh, I had probably two minutes to preach this sermon. Uh, And uh, Peter, I'd like to tell you that I've actually preached this sermon already in two minutes. I've preached it last night. I can tell you that one of the best things that you can do at a party when you're in Northgate, in the inner northern suburbs, full of left-leaning, woke people, is to say one of two things. And I said both of them. One of them was, I said, somebody said, what do you do? I said, I'm on my way to becoming a priest. That was fun. And the second thing that I said was, I've got to go home. Why are you going home so early? I said, because I'm preaching tomorrow. What are you preaching on? And I was able to deliver to them a pithy, concise statement about what God had preached to me about this passage. So may God help me to keep it simple, as simple as it was last night. I can promise you there was no alcohol involved because I didn't want to drink. I wanted to keep my brains sharp for this moment. Uh, So here we go. We're going to turn our attention to this passage in Luke. And... uh, Uh, This passage is one, uh, to set the context, it's uh, framed within the second part of Luke's narrative. Uh, And that second part is uh, started off by Luke deliberately saying that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. He wants to show that Jesus is determined to fulfil his mission and to reach the cross. That's what he's come for. And it's on the way to the cross that we read of this encounter. And Jesus is deliberately tracing the border between Samaria and Galilee. Luke is keen to show that the gospel is for outsiders at every turn. That's a really big theme in Luke. And we've read in our passage that 10 men with leprosy are healed. And one of them, who happens to be a Samaritan comes back to give thanks. So the meaning seems pretty straightforward. Or is it? Is this about cultivating appreciation? 
I mean, it seems like the right thing to do, to be appreciative for the good things in life. And you may be aware that there's a big kind of push around practising gratitude in our culture. There's a sort of a movement of journaling the things that you're grateful for, maybe of, you know, before you go to bed at night to name three things that have been, uh, you know, happened during the, your day that you can be thankful for. And it's shown to be really positive. It's shown to have good positive benefits for our mental health. Uh, you know, we're less prone to... Uh, be subjected to FOMO, that fear of missing out. Uh, we realise things are not necessarily as bad as we might have thought. It's a good thing. But notice that in that movement, you're actually not really thanking anybody. You're just sort of being thankful. You're kind of just thanking the universe. Or you might thank God if you believe in God, but that's not the point, right? The point is that you're being thankful. Well, I'm not really sure that's so great. But is this passage really about having good manners? Is this about being polite to God? After all, it's good to be polite. It's good to thank the person who's uh, the cause of something good in your life. Well, I think actually there's something so much more fundamental that's going on here. You see, I think what's happening for this one man is that there's a radical recalibration around Jesus as the central reality. Jesus as the one who has life in himself and is making all things new. Galileo, the Florentine astronomer and physicist who worked in the turn of the 17th century, was famous for championing Copernicus's heliocentric model of the universe. In other words, Copernicus's uh, model that the sun was the centre of, of the universe and all of the planets, including Earth, revolved around it. Now, it was strenuously resisted uh, because it was seen as dismantling an anthropocentric worldview of the cosmos, this idea that humanity is at the centre of all things. And I think in some ways that's a little bit the problem of the gratitude movement. The gratitude movement still really has humanity at the centre. It tells you to pay attention and take the goods you've got and sort of just run with them. And you know, I'm sure that actually the nine lepers who were healed were in fact very appreciative. I bet that as they discovered on the road that they'd been healed, their, their pace quickened and they hastened to get to that priest uh, so that he could restore them to their so social status. He could pronounce them as healed so that they could embrace the life that had been denied to them. There's nothing wrong with going on to enjoy the good life. Can we really blame them? But this man, this 10th man, who is an outsider, he's vastly different. What's happening with him is he's putting something else at the centre, something more important than the goods that he's receiving, more important than his experience that he's going to have. Because he recognises that the miracles of Jesus are signs 
as well as wonders. You see, the healing ministry of Jesus is sort of like a sheepdog, kind of rounding up human attention to the glorious reality that Jesus is the one who has life in himself and is making all things new. Now, the Samaritans, like Jews, prayed the Shema, and we've been looking at the Shema at our 6 p.m. service, and one of the key words in that Shema prayer uh, was to acknowledge Adonai, the Lord, and that was a kind of a stand-in word for Yahweh, which was so precious and so special, you couldn't say it out loud, but it was the, the word that represented the God who is one who has life within himself, who is unlike any other. He's the cause of all causes. But the Samaritans were suspect because they believed that the temple in Jerusalem and the priesthood were illegitimate. So when Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest, where's he going to go? And I wonder, you know, were those nine lepers who rushed off to go to the temple, the proper temple in Jerusalem, you know, were they feeling smug? You know, that leper, he's probably got it wrong. He's going to his own temple, to that priest over there, the wrong priest. But this leper, unlike the Jewish lepers, he praises God by giving thanks to Jesus. See, he sees Jesus as the true meeting place between humanity and God. All of a sudden, nothing else matters. Life is to be found by turning to Jesus. He is the one reality that is worth reframing and recalibrating ourselves around. This Jesus, the one who has life within himself and is making all things new. Now, this is sort of like a Resurrection Sunday story, isn't it? It's easy, it's so easy to say thanks when all things have been made well. But what about when it's not? What, what if, what is, what's it like, what is left for us when it seems that Jesus has passed us by? When we're living in a kind of a holy Saturday in between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, when there's not much to see here. Because after all, we read in the Gospels that there are moments when Jesus himself resisted healing everybody in the town who clearly needed him. They came in crowds and he said, I've got to keep going. I've got a mission to fulfill. How is it possible for them to show thanks to God? And we don't hear their voices in the scripture but thankfully, we have the gift of Christian imagination to help us. I remember watching many years ago a, a movie called The Robe. It's a 1953 fictional biblical epic film. Uh, Richard Burton stars in it and he plays a Roman military officer called Marcellus Gallio. And Marcellus Gallio is the soldier and officer who has commanded the unit responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. And in this movie, and this is work of fiction, in this movie, Marcellus Gallio wins the robe of Jesus in a dice game at the foot of the cross. And he has haunted memories of the crucifixion. And during the course of the film, as the story plays out, he meets different people 
who believe that this Jesus is risen from the dead. Among them, he meets a woman called Miriam, who's a paralytic, and he questions her hope. How could she have hope in Jesus? After all, he's left her as she is. And I've never seen a treatment in a film or in a story of what, what it might have been like for such a person. But in this wonderful scene where Marcella Scalio and Miriam have a conversation, he questions how could she express such hope in this Jesus? And she says, and I quote, I used to wonder at that myself. He could have healed my body. Then it would have been natural for me to laugh and sing. And then I came to understand that he had done something even better for me. He'd chosen me for his work, left me as I am, so that all others like me might know their misfortune needn't deprive them of happiness in his kingdom. Their misfortune needn't deprive them of happiness in his kingdom. And he replies, it's beyond reason that anyone should think like this. And she said, if you'd only known him, if you'd ever looked into his eyes and heard him speak. See, here is a woman who has been radically recalibrated to this central reality that Jesus is the one who has life in himself and is making all things new. Sure, she's living in a holy Saturday in the time between the now and the not yet. But she's seen her hope and she's waiting for the final restoration of all things. And because of this, she can live a life of thanks. But what about when life is more like a Good Friday? That paradoxical term we use for a famous day in history where no goodness appears to be present. And life can feel like Good Friday when all that you're experiencing feels like suffering and pain. What is possible for you then? What is possible for me then? Further in Luke's Gospel in chapter 23, we read that on Good Friday there were two thieves that hung on the cross, one on either side of Jesus, experiencing their private hells as they're crucified by his side. One of them abuses him for not doing what a Messiah ought to do, which is, of course, to get them out of here. But the other one rebukes him. Somehow, this other thief can see through all the contradictory factors that despite all appearances that seem to show that God has abandoned Jesus, he recognises in Jesus both Jesus' power and his innocence. And with the power of holy inspired imagination, this thief receives Jesus as the transcendent king. Jesus, he says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here is a man in a Good Friday moment who experiences a radical recalibration towards the reality that Jesus is the one who has life in himself 
and is making all things new. So I wonder about you today, as you look back on your year, what sort of year has it been for you? Have you experienced the triumph of Resurrection Sunday, the abundance of God's goodness in your life? Or maybe it's been like a hollow sort of waiting, a holy Saturday, not much to see here, absence and yearning and waiting in hope which can seem fragile. Or maybe your year has been one that has included the darkness of Good Friday, grief and pain, and yet in those moments you have felt the fellowship and experienced the fellowship of the crucified one who died for you and has been with you in the darkness of your loss. All of these are contexts that can be a rich arena for thanksgiving if we experience them as radical recalibration to the one who has life in himself and is making all things new, King Jesus In all these contexts, we, like the leper, can recognise that beyond the goodness of the gift that maybe we receive or long for or have lost, beyond the goodness of that gift, the greatest gift of all is the giver himself who promises to be with us and never leave us. While I was away uh, for a couple of days, at my parents' holiday house and I was listening to the news and I was listening to all of the devastation of things happening around the globe. And it seemed so apparent to me that the culture of death has this world by the throat. And it's so heartbreaking when we hear those things and we read that news. At the same time, in the, in the garage door of our holiday house, there's a roller door and... I could hear in there some birds that had been tweeting a lot and there was evidence that a nest had been built in the roller door and I could just hear them, they were so chirpy and loud and then one day I noticed that one of them, a kind of teenage kind of scruffy looking bird uh, with kind of silky feathers but tufts of the sort of chick fluff still on it was down below and then the next day a whole string of these little birds were on a wire teenage kind of looking birds, kind of not formed but still young but kind of finding their way in the world. And I just thought that is so superb because life is still pressing forward and that life is possible because Jesus, the one who has life in himself and who is making all things new, is at the heart of creation. And you know what? That culture of life is the one that is pressing forward and it is the one that will dominate and reign. Hallelujah. So, beloved, let me close with these words, the words of Jesus from John 16. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen.